Let's take out our Bibles now and turn to Proverbs 31, the last chapter of the book of Proverbs. The text for the sermon is especially verses 28 and 29. But we'll read the chapter, Proverbs 31. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What my son and, and what the son of my womb and what the son of my vows. Give not thy strength unto women nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine nor for princes strong drink. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth. Judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good, Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. This is the word of the Lord, our Heavenly Father. Our text is verses 28 and 29. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. 
Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Well, not a religious holiday, Mother's Day is an opportunity for the Christian church to celebrate one of God's most significant means of distributing and working his redeeming grace in the lives of the members of his church. Godly mothers, or as Proverbs 31 verse 10 calls them, virtuous or excellent women. I hasten to add that This is not to say that this is a day without shadows. For most, there is a bitter taste somewhere. We live in a broken and fallen world. Some of us, maybe a few in this congregation, have godly mothers who have been taken from this life to their eternal reward. And they have received the fruit of their hands, the reward of grace and heavenly glory. Our earthly relationship with them is broken, and they are no longer in our lives. All mothers are sinful. Jesus' own mother knew her need of a Savior and celebrated God's mercy. Some of us have mothers who were fine as far as providing for our earthly needs were concerned, but because they were not Christians themselves, they did not give us the great gift of godly instruction. They did not lead us to Jesus. They did not speak the gospel to us. They were ignorant of spiritual things. Some of us had mothers who were neither. They did not provide or nurture us, and they certainly did not lead us to Christ. So whether your own mom monumentally failed you, or you're a mother who's all too aware of how you failed your children, or whether you are a faithful Christian mom who is by God's grace faithful, not perfect, but faithful, there is goodness and grace to acknowledge and appreciate in almost every situation, even when tarnished by sin. Because God is a God of grace and redemption. The Lord knows those who are his, And the Lord can bring out of an ungodly home and a broken family situation a life of faith and godliness that is an example to the generations who follow from whom he has promised to gather his covenant church. Today is a day to remember God and his goodness, his gospel, his grace, and his enduring faithfulness. And therefore, our hearts can take flight in thanksgiving when we think of our mothers and grandmothers, our wife, the mother of our children. 
among us raised in believing homes in which our parents were faithful in teaching and modeling the faith, we may enjoy all the more the privilege of carrying out the calling of Proverbs 31, verses 28 and 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed or happy, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Mother's Day is an opportunity for Christian husbands and fathers and for Christian children and young people to take to heart the words of our text, to honor their mothers and the mothers in their homes. Proverbs 31 verse 10 sets the tone for the whole section in which our text is found. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. And if that was a question that King Lemuel, who was probably King Solomon, if that was a question that King Lemuel's mother taught him to ask in his day, how much more is that not true in our day? Who can find a virtuous woman? The immense value placed on such an excellent woman by the word of God is unmistakable. This woman is treasured Exactly because this is not every woman. The majority of women in the world are not this woman. A virtuous woman, as we will see, is a gift from God and a work of his grace. It's interesting that in the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament is the, is the Hebrew Bible. The Jews recognize it by a different name. They call it the Tanakh. And the, the order of the books in their Bible is a bit different. And in the Jewish ordering of the Old Testament books, Proverbs 31 is followed by the book of Ruth. And as you know, Ruth was not a woman in the covenant nation of Israel. She was a Moabitess. She was a foreigner. She was a Gentile. But in Ruth 3 verse 11, Boaz says to her when she comes to Israel with Naomi as a destitute woman and begins to glean in his field to provide for herself and for Naomi, Boaz says to her, and now my daughter, do not fear I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And that's altogether appropriate. Because every virtuous woman is a Ruth. Whether you have grown up in the sphere of God's covenant in the church, or whether you have been brought in from, from without, as Ruth was you are a work of the grace of God. He has chosen you. He has called you. He has set his love upon you. He has given you a new heart. He has given you his spirit. He has endowed you with the fruit of the spirit. So that from God's point of view, he can declare you a woman whose price is far above the most precious of jewels a biblical 
mother. A woman who embraces God's call to nourish and nurture children, whether, she has, whether you have delivered them yourself or fostered them or adopted them or had them brought across your path by the providential hand of God. A biblical mother is a mom who isn't perfect, whose kids do things that frighten her and that drive her to God in prayer. But she is also a woman who never stops loving, striving, and working so that her children are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. She's married, and a biblical wife seeks to help her imperfect husband to encourage him to be conformed to Christ, to be all that God has called him to be as a man of God and a father in Israel. A biblical mother seeks to build her family up while the world and the culture seeks to tear them apart or to redefine the family or to push her down and to tell her that her calling in the home does not matter. To be something, she has to go outside the home and make a career for herself in some profession or other. A biblical mother seeks to hold her family together while the world seeks to tear them apart. She lives her calling faithfully when it's easier and when it seems impossible. And she understands that the greatest heritage she can leave for her family is faith in Jesus Christ. And she is relentless in pursuing that, whether she has help or not. This is the woman God says is virtuous, whose price is far above rubies. And this is the woman our text exhorts children and husbands who have the privilege to be the head, the spiritual head and leader of such a wife, to call blessed and to praise, to honor. And that's our message. Honor your mother. Her children and her husband praise her. We'll notice briefly her characteristics, secondly, her reward, and third, her encouragement. Proverbs 31 gives many characteristics of a virtuous woman or an excellent woman whose price is far above rubies. We're not going to look at all of them this morning. We don't have the time to do that. I simply want to mention three of them. First, her fear of the Lord. Secondly, her wholehearted devotion to her husband. And third, her authority and influence in the lives of her children. Verse 30 says that the woman of Proverbs 31 is a woman who fears the Lord. This identifies her as a believer, as a child of God. 
As a woman, God has loved before the foundation of the world, who he has created for his glory, who in time he has entered into through the new life of his Holy Spirit and given a new heart, a new, new will, new affections, and saved by his grace. Strictly speaking, in Proverbs 31, the woman who is being talked about is not a Christian mother of the New Testament, but she is a Jewish mother in Old Testament Israel whose faith was rooted and grounded in Jehovah God and whose hope rested on God's promises of a Savior as those promises had been unfolded thus far in redemptive history. She was a woman who trusted in God to send the seed of the woman, promised in Genesis 3, verse 15, who trusted God to send the prophet, like unto Moses, of Deuteronomy 18. She looked for the coming of the anointed one, the Messiah, that Hannah sung about in 1 Samuel 2, verse 10. And she looked for the sure mercies of David, 2 Samuel 7. Like Eve and Sarah and Rebekah, like Leah and Rachel before her, the woman of Proverbs 31 desired and prayed for children in the hope that God's covenant line would be continued for her and that perhaps, just maybe, she would have the privilege of bringing forth this promised Messiah. And that even if she was not, that Jehovah would continue his covenant to a thousand generations through her and her descendants. As a believer, the woman of Proverbs 31 has within her the spirit of reverence for Jehovah. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And the life that she lives is one in which worship and fellowship with the Lord have a prominent place. She has God's new covenant, according to Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, fulfilled in her. Her heart has been taught to fear God by his amazing grace. Her heart has been transformed by the gospel to bring her into subjection to God as her Lord and Heavenly Father. She's not saved because she is a mother or because she is a wife. She's not saved because she is a faithful woman. But she fears God because she recognizes that she is saved because God has set his love upon her. God has chosen her. God has come to her by his grace in Jesus Christ. And Christ now says, My daughter, give me thine heart. The statement of Proverbs 31, verse 30, that a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised, indicates that this Fearing of God isn't one thing, isn't a one-time thing that she does. It didn't happen when um, she 
came to years of discretion and made confession of faith in Jesus, or when she was converted from darkness to light. That's when she began to fear the Lord, but the language of the text is that she walks with the Lord. She communes with him. In the language of Proverbs 3, verse 7, she is not wise in her own eyes because she fears God and therefore departs from evil. Or in the language of Proverbs 8, verse 13, she hates evil and pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth of woman who fears the Lord hates the evil of abortion, of killing children in the womb for selfish reasons. And she hates the froward mouth of her children and her young adults when they argue sinfully with each other or when they talk back to her. But it's positive too. Verse Proverbs 14, verse 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and her children shall have a place of refuge. Woman who fears the Lord has strong confidence, not in her legalistic performances, but in the God who saved her by his mercy. And although she cannot know the future of her children, she trusts and she does all within her power to direct them to the only refuge that they can ever have that is sure and that will never pass away, and that is Jehovah God. The faithful Christian mother is the one saved by God's grace, taught to fear by the grace of the Heavenly Father, awakened to Jehovah by His Spirit, infused with His redeeming love, given the grace of faith and repentance, and a woman who lays hold of Jesus Christ as He comes in the gospel. She's a woman who uses the means of grace, who reads her Bible, who prays in Jesus' name, who comes to church to hear the gospel and who delights in the triune God of her salvation as he shows his faithfulness to her from day to day. She fears the Lord. Secondly, the virtuous woman is a woman who is who gives her whole heart to her husband and whose husband has confidence in her. That's prominent in in verses 10 through 31 of Proverbs 31. The heart of her husband, verse 10, doth safely trust in her so that he has no need of spoil. The language of Proverbs 31 reflects the context of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 4 verse 9 says that wisdom is the crown of a man. A man who is wise is a king. His crown is not made of gold and jewels like the crown that sat on the head of the new king of England last week. But his crown is wisdom. 
Ultimately, it is Jesus Christ and the wisdom that he gives through the Spirit to apply biblical truth in the circumstances of life to God's glory. Wisdom crowns a man. And Proverbs 12, verse 4 says that a virtuous woman or a excellent woman is a crown to her husband. A virtuous woman is like the wisdom that adorns a wise man. She is the crown of his life. Proverbs 8, verse 35 says that a man who finds wisdom obtains favor from the Lord. And Proverbs 18, verse 22 says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You see, again, the almost the equivocation of an excellent or virtuous woman and wife with wisdom. And the book of Proverbs ends with this poem in Proverbs 31, portraying such a virtuous woman who not only opens her mouth with wisdom, according to verse 26, but she is wisdom in wifely and motherly form. Therefore, the heart of her husband safely trusts in her because she is a woman who understands that God looked over all his creation in the beginning and said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help who is suitable for him. And she believes that that Adam was made to sleep by God on the sixth day. And while he was sleeping, God took his rib, one of his ribs, and formed a help suitable for him. And when he awoke, that God brought her to Adam as his wife Eve. And that Adam said about her, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This is a woman who, because she fears God, understands that, as God said after the fall in Genesis chapter 3, even though her natural desire is to promote herself, by God's grace she submits to her husband, not because, not, which is not to deny her will and her needs and, 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 and her desires, but it is to allow him to lead. But at the same time, not to let him walk all over her, but to insist on walking alongside of him as one who was taken out of his side, not out of his foot. She's a woman who believes, 1 Peter 3, that she and her husband are heirs together of the grace of life. That together they have exactly the same salvation through exactly the same Savior with exactly the same eternal life 
and exactly the same hope of glory awaiting them on the other side of the final Jordan. She's a woman who understands that she has been found by the man in her life according to God's good providence, who gives her whole heart to him and to him alone, that is, as her husband, her final authority, of course, is God, but that because, and that because she gives herself to one man, his heart has every reason to trust and have confidence in her. She is a faithful help suitable for her husband. Which includes reminding him that it is not good that man should be alone. When he thinks he has it all figured out and has all the answers and needs to make all the decisions without any input from anyone else. She is a woman who opens her mouth with wisdom, who knows when to open her mouth to her husband to help or to, or to probe, to help him examine. She opens her mouth to encourage, to build him up, to remind him that a man of God has every reason for confidence when he pursues God with his whole heart. She's a woman who is wholehearted in her love for her husband and whose husband has her confidence. And finally, the virtuous woman, to continue with the final characteristic that we're going to talk about, she is a woman who has authority and influence in the lives of her children. God doesn't give children to every married couple. Some are called to walk the hard road of infertility. And they are in good company because there are many couples in Scripture who were called to walk that difficult way. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Leah and Rachel, Hannah, Elizabeth, and God, even if he doesn't open the womb, as he did for those women, does give grace to walk that way and does fill, does give fulfillment in the married life of a couple whose difficult way is the road of infertility. A virtuous woman to whom God has given children is one who recognizes that she has tremendous authority and influence in the lives of her children. Given to her by God, she stands with the Father, clothed with the authority of the fifth commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother.
Now, it's true that much of the teaching in the book of Proverbs is directed from a father to his son. He instructs and warns and pleads with his children to choose life. And he appears throughout at least the first nine chapters of the book as the household and the family's primary teacher and example and exhorter and reminder to seek the Lord and his grace and his face and to worship him and to live in covenant union and communion with him. And yet Proverbs personifies wisdom as a woman. And gives flesh and blood to her by portraying her in Proverbs 31 as a real life wife and mother. Why is that? It's because, first of all, even though a father's influence in the home is deep and foundational, it can also, not always, but can also be limited to the earthly calling that God has given him. A calling to earn his bread in the sweat of his face. A calling to provide for his household, as the Apostle Paul does it, calls husbands to do in 1 Thessalonians. He's a man who is rooted in his home, but who, through God's providence, is often outside of it. In Proverbs 31, the husband and, and, and father of the virtuous woman who is spoken of here is in the gates. Verse, verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. And that is Old Testament language for a husband who is who has a calling maybe in the administration of the city or maybe he's a merchant and he sets up his, his stall at the city gates so that people coming in and going out will have his wares available to them. But he is in the gates. That's where his, his days are spent, earning an income to provide for the earthly needs of his family. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't spend much time at home. And this mother of Proverbs 31 also is not afraid to venture into the marketplace herself. She, verse 14, is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. Verse 16, she considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hand she planteth a vineyard. And verse 24, she makes fine linen and sells it and delivers girdles or belts that she has made to the merchant. So she also ventures outside the home to to buy, to sell, to get those things that are necessary for her family using the income that her husband has obtained through his faithful labor. And yet it is she, says verse 26,
In his daytime calling, he leans more towards the community outside the home and dealing with people outside the home, while she is rooted in the home and leans toward family and the household and home life. That's why one of the beautiful titles or, 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 or monikers for a stay-at-home mom is a homemaker. That's her calling. That's her, that's her, her place. She's a homekeeper. She is wisdom's steady presence through so many hours when her husband cannot be. She, says in the language of Psalm 128, verse 3, is the fruitful vine by the side of the house. She lives along with the children. She's the source of their comfort amid suffering. She's the one who gives counsel when they are perplexed. She provides instruction when they need to learn how to do something. She's the refuge and the fortress that they run to when they've skinned a knee or when they're scared of their, of their dreams at night. If the husband is the head of the family, his wife and the mother of his children is the heart of of the household. At meal times and nap times, through tantrums and tears, she is the beating heart of wisdom. And Proverbs very clearly gives mother equal dignity and authority alongside with father. And we don't have time to look at all the passages where Solomon not only says, My son. Give ear to my instruction, but also do not forsake or listen to or take heed to the instruction of your mother. And on the negative side, warning his son that when he comes to years and does not continue in the way that his parents have taught him, the way of the gospel, the way of living the Christian life, that will not only be a grief to his fatherly heart, but it will be a burden on her motherly heart. In Leviticus 19, verse 3, where the calling to honor parents is set before the children of Israel as a national calling, it is mom who is placed before dad. Honor your mother and your father. I am the Lord your God. Mom provides influence that is deep and profound on her children in all of the seemingly weak and insignificant actions that she performs in their service throughout the day. Every kind word, every, every jacket that is zipped with cheerfulness, every cracker served with love, each promise of God whispered over their little beds is another brick as she builds wisdom's house and gives children another reason to follow in her steps. Her discipline, her rod and reproof are no less authoritative 
than, than dads. She is called to chasten the children, to discipline them when they stray out of the way of God's will, and then not to impose upon them conditions to get back into her favor, but simply to call them to look to Jesus for forgiveness and for reconciliation and to assure them of her love, that her discipline is in love, even though it may be painful in the moment. This is the virtuous woman. She fears the Lord. She is devoted to her husband, and she has authority and influence in the lives of her children. Proverbs in our text says, this woman has a reward. Her reward is her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. And verse 29 is his words. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Her children rise up and call her blessed. We know that little children do not yet grasp the gift that God has given them in their mother who fears the Lord. In all likelihood, they will not remember how she has lifted them onto the toilet or gently sang God's praises to them in the morning or spoke God's promises over them when they were going to sleep or prayed for her teenagers when they were starting to spread their wings and live life and and work and go to school and hang out with friends outside the home. But day by day, those children, as they grow up, are hearing the voice of Lady Wisdom through their God-fearing mother. And when Proverbs 31 verse 28 says her children arise up and call her blessed, this is talking particularly about when her children come to maturity themselves and they begin to think about seeking a spouse and establishing a home independently of their parents and yet realizing that exactly because they are seeking a godly spouse and seeking to establish a faithful home, that is due to the influence, the instruction, the discipline, and the relentless work of mom in the home when they were growing up and when they were like little olive plants around the dinner table. Their lives become a testimony and their words to her, if not exactly, their, the, the, the tone of those words and the, the significance of those words is that she is blessed. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Another word for blessed is happy. Her children call her happy. And true happiness is rooted in the fear of the Lord. When her children call her happy, it is not because she has been a perfect mom 
or because she's done everything right all the time, or because she's never dropped the ball or never failed or never felt like she could have done more. But it is because faithfully and consistently through the grace of God, they have seen the fear of the Lord coming out in all that she has taught them, in the way she has disciplined them, in the instruction that she's given them, in the selflessness with which she has served the family often thanklessly, and to be forgotten. Her children rise up and call her blessed because she is a daughter of the king and a, and a, and a lady who has shown them wisdom personified. You see, in the Bible, the hero is not the man with big muscles fighting the monsters in the movies that the world makes, for example. She's not the famous, well-known heroine. She's the woman wrestling a t-shirt over a toddler's head or wrestling to speak sense and to a teenager who is more attracted to doing their own will, or who is wrestling with whether God loves them or not, and whether God is, is at work in their lives. This is the blessed woman. And children, then there's a calling for you here too, to, and young adults, Call your mom blessed. Call her happy. Tell her that you see God coming through in her. Again, not because she's perfect, but because God is faithful. Tell her that you're thankful that she loves your father, that she's a trustworthy presence in the home. Thank her for all the work she does to be like a merchant ship who, who brings food from afar and who prepares it for the table each mealtime. Thank her for opening her mouth with wisdom to teach you about God, about the scriptures, to speak to you the promises of God, to speak to you and to draw close to you even when you're trying to pull away from her, for pursuing you and not giving up on you. And maybe you can't do that now. Maybe you won't do that now. But God's word sets before you the calling to recognize God's work in your mom and to call her happy and blessed because she has been an example of mercy and grace and kindness in your family. Text says, 
also her husband, and he praiseth her. Her husband, and he praiseth her. The word praise here is literally hallel, which forms a part of that exclamation that we find not so much in Proverbs, but in the Psalms, praise the Lord, praise Jehovah. And then the implication is very clear, isn't it? If we believe, men, husbands, that those who find a wife find a good thing, that we who have found a virtuous woman whose price is far above rubies, or whom God has shown favor who have been the recipients of God's favor through the wife that he has given us, we will praise him for her. That's the idea here. He doesn't praise his wife again because she's perfect or because she she does everything right or she always always, um, agrees with what he says or thinks that his ideas are brilliant. Or lets him make all the decisions because that's his duty. He praises her because he sees God in her. That she is a woman who fears the Lord. The content of his praise, of my praise as a husband and of yours who are husbands, is that ours is the best. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Because you see, even though the virtuous woman is a rarity in the world, in the church, there may be many virtuous women to be found. In our congregation here, there are. And yet, as you look at your wife, the wife that God has given you. This is your thought. Many have done excellently, but you are the best. You are the help suitable for me. And I have obtained favor from the Lord when he brought you to me. So I ask myself, husbands, and I ask you, have you been praising the virtuous woman in your life? Or has Satan sunk our queens with whispers about their inadequacy because we have forgotten to sing in thankfulness to God for them? Encouragement is needed, and God provides it. When children forget and husbands neglect and the devil militates against God-fearing moms in in their relentless effort to build their houses wisely, then it's time to listen to God. 
We have his word in verses 30 and 31. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. God recognizes and will recognize his own work of grace in his daughters. He will not allow them to go uncommended. He sees her holding faith in Jesus Christ by the power of his spirit. He sees her governed by his principles, living his life. God sees you, mothers, virtuous women, enlivened by his spirit, bringing forth the fruit of the spirit, filling your home with the sweet fragrance of purity and affection. And Hebrews 6 verse 10 says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which he have showed toward his name in ministering to the saints as you do. God says to you mothers in the faith who do not hear the song that you deserve from your children or from your husband or who Satan has has tempted to ask, is it worth it? God says yours is praise. Yours is thanks. Yours is heaven. The world with all its cheap ribbons, its trophies, its its acclamation of the mom who does it all, who's a full-time mom and a full-time professional, or a mom who neglects having children altogether in order to devote herself to her pursuits, God says over against a culture that says the life of the unborn is of no account. God says the woman who nourishes and nurtures a godly seed is to be praised. God says, I will give her the fruit of her hands and her own works will praise her in the gates. Maybe they they don't praise her in any earthly prominent way, but they will be remembered when she arrives at the pearly gates and her savior says to her, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. The exhortation to make, to bring this encouragement home, though, does rest with us who benefit from the wise labors of virtuous women, especially you husbands who know that your wives did not grow up with a godly example as a wife or a mother, and who are more prone, therefore, to question whether they're doing it right, whether they made the right decisions, whether they're following God's way. They need to hear from you that they're not blowing it, that they haven't dropped the ball, that they have not failed completely, that they are not failing, and that ultimately they cannot fail. Because God is pleased to use weak and sinful means 
to glorify his name. He is pleased to use the humble ministry of excellent women whose amazing grace has been given to them in order to instruct and set an example for and give a faith to follow to a future generation. You need to take this calling seriously, and I do. That hers is a most excellent work of God. And to our beloved mothers and grandmothers, lift up your hearts to the Lord. We thank you for all that you are by his grace and all that you do through his strength. As men, we resolve to sing, to respond to our Father's call more faithfully, to give you the fruit of your hands, and to let your works praise you in the gates. And as children, we commit to calling you happy, Because God has made you so and has helped us to be happy through your teaching and example. Amen.